0: This episode of AFI in Conversation was produced for AFI by Megan Hall with music by Steve Crump. Hello and um, welcome to the um, podcast series for AFI. Um, tonight um, I'm coming to you from Gubbi Gubbi country on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland and I'd like to take this moment to acknowledge um, the elders past, present and emerging um, and pay respects to those people on those lands that have for and continue to care for this place for thousands and thousands of years and to remind us all that every step we take on this land is, land, is on land that has not been seeded. So, um, thank you for the, uh, allowing us for that acknowledgement. Um, we're very excited tonight to be talking to Richard O'Neill. Uh, Richard's coming to us from Manchester and um, reached out to us recently after a little bit of, um, uh, a conversation that happened through the Guardian. And Richard has put a book together called School for Nomads and tells, um, a fascinating kind of journey of, um, gypsies and travel peoples, um, in the UK and Ireland. Um, it's a wonderful story about um, little highlights of children's um, experiences at schools, and we'll come back to that in a minute. But I thought, just as we begin, just to say, "G'day, Richard. Welcome."
1: Good, uh, well, good morning for me I'm from Manchester in England. So, uh, yeah, so good, good evening to you.
0: Thank you so much. I was just interested in the context um, of the reason to put "School for Nomads" together, and it struck me as, a, as um, that. In relationship to the pandemic is a kind of a bit of a milestone in the, in what's happening in education globally. Um, in as much as it's the pandemic kind of, you know, really fractured and dismantled lots of patterns and rhythms that were happening. But in the, in the midst of all of that has also shone a light on lots of different, um, groups and cohorts of kids and, um, where disenfranchisement has just really kind of come to the fore. And I was just interested in, in, how the pandemic has influenced um, your thoughts in putting the School for Nomads together.
1: I think when, when the pandemic came, and, and I think the pandemic is a, is a real marker, and, and I guess for the people I grew up with who were born in the 30s and the 40s, the older people, it was the Second World War for them. Everything was either yeah. pre-war or post-war, and the war changed everything. And I think the pandemic, when the pandemic came out, I, I, I knew... That it was going to change everything, and I think a lot of people, when we sort of got through it—if if that's that's the way of putting it—then people thought everything would everything would go back to normal. And I think a lot of people are trying very hard to get things back to normal. But mm-hmm. you know, the genie was out of the bottle, and 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 we couldn't. We relied incredibly heavily on technology, and technology yep. has always changed the world. From you know, from people discovering fire. And then being able to harness that new technology of fire um, up to weapons and and everything else. So, I mean, when I was at school a long, long time ago, then we had what we called chalk and talk. You know, we would have a teacher with chalk, a blackboard. And that teacher was the epicenter of of your world of knowledge. So he, she would write stuff on the board. You would copy it down. She, he was the font of all knowledge. You had books in your class. That you could refer to, but she, he had chosen them. You would go to the library. The librarian had chosen them. If you were fortunate and you were the type of family that invested in a set of encyclopedias, yeah. then you would be able to reference yeah. that. Now on your phone on the way home from school, or even at lunchtime, if you're at high school, you can check and you can get 20, 30 different answers, different lifestyles, different ideas. And we're we're bombarded by that information. And then I think we have got a generation of, whether we call them millennials or Gen Z, I'm not quite sure, I can't keep up with, with all of the different um, <laughs> Gens, um, but they are not prepared to do 50 years or 40 years of work and go through that, what I would call that linear and hierarchical way of working and living. They yeah. want to live now, they want to do something different. So I think I, re- I wanted to reflect that in School for Nomads. And um, going back to my upbringing, I was born in a and brought up in a nomadic Romani family. My family have 500 years of history in England. We lived in tents, then we lived in wagons, and then by the time I came along, we lived in caravans. But we still had the same knowledge. And that mindset of circularity, you know, we follow the seasons. We didn't travel in the winter, in the depths of winter. That would have been ridiculous. But we did travel in the spring and the summer and the autumn. And then in the autumn, that was the time for getting things ready for the winter. You know, there's there's an old Romani proverb that says, the winter will ask what we did in the summer. (laughs) And... (laughs) that even you know that happens now you know we we, we, we're thinking about what we do now has an impact six five six seven months down the line um then we have this growth in young people wanting to do something different and then we had this term digital nomads where you have people who can work just via their laptop or even their phone and they can live virtually anywhere and still do their work and you know the school system is still very rigid You know, you go in that year, you do that work, then you progress to the next year, to the next year, to the next year, and then you come out of school and then you go. And in the 1950s and 60s and 70s, that kind of worked because there were factories, there were huge organizations that you could slot into. Yes, you know, a, yeah. a
0: production line, yeah. if you will, and yeah, it's that sort of you know model of batching up kids. And right. it's kind of the whole mechanistic yeah. nature of um the education system as as it grew out of um the idea of public education sort of representing the factory in that sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, and and um, you know, we we sorry,
0: go on. No, I was just interested. Um, one of the things you talked about was the idea of circles. Yeah, and I noted noted in the, one of the last pages of your book. It's um a, a little. Um, kind of a quote there uh, circles move lines drag and I really like that I have um, thought I was going to ask you to uh, elaborate on that thinking but you started that which is really lovely uh, it's kind of I guess that's the overarching philosophy where where um, your community is coming from in that sense yeah
1: yeah um, mm. you know l- linear is about lists it's a, it's about hierarchy you know we yeah. talk I was talking to somebody about this yesterday they were talking about the list of you know, a hundred great whatever, or the list of this. And there's always someone at the top and there's always yeah. someone at the bottom. Yeah. Whereas circular, you know, nobody's at the top, nobody's at the bottom. Yep. And when you stand in a circle, you see everybody. Yeah. And you look at traditional cultures and they sit in circles around a fire. They talk in circles so we can see everybody. People do it now without even thinking. They, they go to a pub and pub tables are often square. And then yeah. people start dragging chairs
0: make
1: chairs- <laughs> a massive circle. circle. You know, they just can't help it. It's deep yeah. in their psyche. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah.
1: So so I think going back to what we were saying before about we had this very linear and very organized um, educational system. And the educational system back in the day was made for workers. You You produced yeah. workers. Yep. And you got them in england the education system in england you went into education at five years old they taught you how to read and write they taught you how to respect your elders and your betters they had buzzers and bells which told you when you could go out and play and when it was your lunch and so and so that when you could sort of seamlessly move into a factory you understood that there were people in charge you understood that when a buzzer went that was your break yeah um, and you you know everything was used to that but what we ended up with and that 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 worked and some people were quite fine with that and good luck to them but what worked was it was like having a massive factory and then you had the shops that would take your product but which would be the offices and the the factories but now we've got these still got education which is this factory producing people but there's no shops there's no yeah. place for them to go yeah. so we're yeah. piling up this massive warehouse of people that don't have the jobs that that they've been trained for, if you will. Yeah. So, and, you know, it, it's it's really interesting for me that when we look at technology and growing up when I was, people would think that traditional nomadic people, you know, oh, they would still want to live in the Stone Age. They, they don't want technology. But nomadic people have always, always been the first early adopters of useful technology. Mm. Mm. And I think that's that's the definition we have to what is useful useful yeah. what is useful yeah. useful yeah. technology and, and mobile phones are brilliant you know you can yeah. communicate over distance we're doing this now you know I, yeah. i'm doing this via my mobile phone, which is linked to my laptop and so on, which yeah. is to the other side of the world, which is mind blowingly amazing you know that's just <laughs> fantastic um but this useful technology and using technology but it's very similar. And it's very close to how we used to be. So, for example, when I was learning my trade um, and learning lots of things from my dad and and the older people as a woodcarver, as a toy maker, as well as a storyteller, they would show me how to do that. They wouldn't sit there and give me a list of instructions and say, "Um, figure one, pick up tool. figure three, (laughs) um, and then then test me whether I knew figure four. What they would do is they would show me And they would coach me and they would say, right, can you do that bit now? Because I don't want you to waste that wood. Can you show me you could? What what young people do now is they go on YouTube and people show them how to do it. They go on TikTok and people show them. What we haven't done, I think, in the education system and what we're not doing is we're not showing people. We're still telling them yes but we're not
0: sure yeah and this is this flip that seems to be bubbling up at the moment doesn't it's two things in that I think that are really important is the kind of the coach and recognizing that you know young people have an incredible amount of um, um, skills and capacity that they can bring to the table as well Um, but also repositioning the power relationship which kind of takes us back to that when you talked about essentially that that Factory model of education was establishing a class system. And I think that that is, you know, that's the kind of the hegemonic nature of how these things get progressed. Yeah. So it's really interesting. I think that there is this disruption happening in that space now, which is, and it's kind of happening globally, which is really fascinating. Um, it sort of brings me to the book itself in terms of when, um, a couple of characters in the book that I really Love, um, Margaret and Martha Rose, um, and they, they, um, who are both, um, um travellers and finding themselves in school and feeling very isolated within the school and quite disenfranchised within the school, um, and start to find themselves and find their agency and voice within schools, um, and start to take, go back to the system and challenge the system. And they put their PowerPoint together when they meet with the principal and they, they have the, the PowerPoint has these slides that, um they want to talk about about their experience of schooling and, and this the, the, this I'll just name the slides and you can talk to these a bit for me but they talk about the slide um the powerpoint slide of racism they talk about the slide of lack of awareness of um you know traveler culture um they talk about the slide of low expectations of traveler children and families yeah and also lack of any um, travel history or cultural reference, references within the curriculum and no access to knowledge or books in the schools, et cetera. And then they challenge the school and the principal and the teachers to actually do something about that. And we, what I love about where the, the two girls end up with that is when the, the principal says, well, maybe you could go away and put something together around that. And one, I think it's Martha Rose says, well, yeah, but it's going to cost you. We're not just going to create it for nothing for you. So, like very... <laughs> Very millennial, very you know, <laughs> switched on. To hang on, we've got knowledge. We'll, we'll trade knowledge with you, but it's going to cost. I, I just thought the way you should have. Repositioned them as having an agency and power in that situation was really clever, um, and a lot of those um, slides—the racism, the lack of awareness, the low expectation, no history, no cultural connection—is um, reflected across this. The, uh, can be seen in the education system here in this country, particularly in relationship to First Nations young people here. Um, it is getting slowly better here, but for you know when I was going through school here, we we, we didn't even get taught about. Every from um, Torres Strait on people's um, uh, you know existence in this place. Uh, so I just thought the way you'd set that up was fantastic. So and maybe you could talk about your, the slides and how you use that as the the turning point in the story.
1: Yeah, it, it's really interesting, and, and it's fascinating to me that you know we're talking across the world here, and and this is as you say global. You know, First Nation people in North America, in Canada, yeah. and lots of other places, and I think. What used to happen and still does to some extent, but the narrative is changing. What used to happen was that if you were from, you know, marginalized group, then, um, and pretty much any group, we will do stuff to you because we are knowledgeable and, and we will, you know, like those, those old sci-fi films, you know, you will be assimilated. Resistance <laughs> is futile. Um, yep. it's that kind of thing. The, the aliens, we will tame the aliens, we'll tame them and, and they'll, they'll be fine. But, for me one of those things what's really happening i was talking to somebody from a a major university in in, uh, england yesterday and we're talking a lot now in the uk about co-curation so when we're talking about researching and we're talking community is coming much more into it so it's rather than we're going to do this to you and we're going to do this with you and actually you're the experts Uh, In terms of community. And I think what I wanted to do with um, Margaret and and Martha Rose was to actually flip that narrative and say, well, hang on a minute. You might be the experts in this kind of education, um, but we're actually the experts in ourselves. And not only can we explain to you about our culture, our community and the positives, but there are things in there that would actually benefit everyone.
0: That's right. this kind yes. of
1: circular thinking, this kind of inclusion, this kind of thing it will help you know and, and when we talk about um, we talked about earlier the um, you know the, the circular way of, of doing things and, and circles move and lines drag this isn 't just schools that i 'm working with now i 'm working with you know, major businesses in the, in the centre of London you know the, the big big organizations, multinational organizations who realize that they 're very bright young managers don't want to go down the same route they want to be nomadic a bit they want to think differently they want to and if they want to keep them if they want to retain the best and the brightest they're going to have to change their organization to fit and i think in a way that's what margaret and martha rolls are saying that you know you need to change and i think education and big schools they're going to need to change otherwise there may be a point and, and i'm you know maybe this has hap- maybe this would happen in future where some government somewhere says do you know what we're going to give adults uh, parents a voucher and they can spend that education voucher where they want they might buy two days of this high school they might buy two days of this other thing and that's going to really change the education system is- I,
0: I, I was in a conference a couple of years ago richard where um uh, a futurist that was thinking in 500 years kind of stuff um, worked with a group of high school kids in Victoria and they came into little enactments of what they saw f- school to be like in 500 years and, and the, the the kids walked up and had their um, device and it was a little bit like, um, you know, those dating apps. They'd swipe left for, um kept swiping for a hologram to come down for an English teacher that they liked to look off and went, no, 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 yeah, I'd like that one, I'll keep that one. <laughs> So it's just like, yeah. you know, and, and you kind of go, oh, that's ridiculous. And then you go, actually, it's so far close to where it could possibly be. And that the agency of the young person is at the center and, and that, that kind of, um, the ownership of that knowledge, um, plus the agency of the young person is, is the powerful piece of it, isn't it? And I just think that if, um, that flip that is required, that repositioning of um, the power of knowledge and the power of the relationship, to where it's not an authoritarian space, but a you know a shared space, a common ground, if you would, you know, um, in in the circle, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, and, and I I think you you're absolutely right about that agency and about the power, because that it completely flips it to where the, the power then resides with the young person because they say actually I have decided. I want to do this or my options are um yes. again you know put it this way let, let, w- without um yeah without 500 years you know what I can do now if I'm a young person um instead of listening to somebody who's fairly knowledgeable or fairly new in their career or whatever I can watch youtube and I can get a harvard professor to yep. talk to me <laughs>
0: I'm you know, I can get someone
1: from the best university in or the biggest business in Australia and they'll talk to me. Um, and, and I'm learning from them. You know, years ago, people used to, in Greece and other places, used to sit at the feet That's right. of these people. That's right. Now we're sitting at the feet of them via technology. And we can compare and contrast. Mm. We can go, yeah, mm. actually, she, he's talking rubbish there because she, he... You know, so we can we can compare and contrast a lot. We don't have to just take that line. And for in England, particularly, we've got young people. They go through the education system, which is very linear. They start here, they start there, and then they end up in college. And they leave college. They they go to university. And when they get to university, it's like whoa, because in universities now they have to take you know more control over their own learning. Yeah, they yeah. have to go to certain lectures and certain this and certain that. And a lot of them find it very difficult because in a way, they've been institutionalized by this very very linear yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know um, system and and when they do have that agency, it's incredibly whoa, what do I do now
0: um well, who would have thought that the pandemic would have shown this um brought this up for us all and um, and and the um growth of technology and <laughs> Let's not forget Margaret and Martha Rose who actually flipped it, pushed it back and went, hang on, we've got a lot to offer here. Um our culture is 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 as important as any other culture, which I think is the really profound part of it. Um Hey Richard, thank you so much for your time. It was really lovely to meet you and um and hear hear of your book and what you're doing over there. Um keep keep a connection with us at AFI hey, and we'll um like to catch up again in the future.
1: Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much.